This is the Business of Apps podcast, bringing you actionable insights from the leaders of the global app industry and the world's fastest growing apps. You can find more app news, data and analysis over at businessofapps.com. Welcome to the Business of Apps podcast. On this show, we invite app industry professionals to cover various topics. We promise to do our best to keep it both insightful but brief. In this episode, we have Samuel Bivan, Head of Emerging International Advertising Solutions at Snap. Samuel, welcome to the Business of Apps podcast. Thank you, Art. It's great to be here. All right. So it's been about three months since the first lockdowns caused by COVID-19 pandemic were announced all over the world. Before COVID-19, we had this conversation about how tech and mobile in particular influences our lives. Did we spend more time on our smartphones than we should or not? Well, today everything is digital and pretty much all communication between people happens online. On the landscape of messaging apps, Snapchat has a special place. And that's why today we have Samuel from Snap to talk about Snapchat and how this pandemic has changed the dynamics of people's communication on it. But before doing all that, let's talk about you, Samuel, first. Uh, tell us about yourself. Yeah, no. So uh, like I said, my name's Sam Bev and I've been in Snap now for coming up to four years, which is crazy to think about. Uh, time flies incredibly quickly when you're having fun. Prior to Snap, <laughs> prior to face, Snap, I was at Facebook and Google where I was managing um, SMB accounts. And then I came over to Snap to very much uh, do the similar sort of thing in our merging team where we, again, are focusing on a lot of performance clients of all shapes and sizes, ultimately trying to see success on our platform. So, yeah, it's been a great journey. I get to visit some amazing markets, but more importantly, being able to scale thousands of advertisers uh, through our platform. All right, that's, that's pretty impressive. Okay, so what is Snap? How would you describe it in a few sentences to a person who never tried an app like me? <laughs> Well, hopefully, uh, we can get you downloading the app by the end of this call. Um, and <laughs> for those of you less familiar, I think really the most simple way to describe Snap is as a camera communication platform. Uh, ultimately, why send a text when a Snap can say a thousand words? And this is really the core use of what people come to Snapchat every day to do, is to send and receive videos and snaps of their best friends. And it's just ultimately the fastest way to communicate. Yeah, I see. It's, it's pretty interesting concept. I guess I don't have that many friends and probably came out of that age when I used to have many friends to chat with. <laughs> well, you can always uh, add me up this up. <laughs> okay, deal. <laughs> I think it, it can work out. Um, <laughs> okay, so yeah, now it's, uh, let's talk about less funny things. How people use Snapchat during COVID-19 pandemic? What's the difference in their behavior? Do they see them using the app more for a longer period of time, more frequently? Probably any changes in demographic scales? Yeah, it's a really good question. I think I'll start off by giving a bit of context of our general audience. So earlier in uh, the quarter, we announced our Q1 earnings, where we stated uh, we've seen about a 20% year-over-year growth in Snapchatters, representing over 229 million daily users on our platform now. Uh, we continue to see this growth during this period, and we've forecasted to increase to roughly 239 million throughout Q2, which we're in at the moment. 
what mm-hmm. we saw with COVID-19 was actually the core use of our platform was simply magnified. More than ever, our community started to rely on Snapchat to stay connected, entertained, and informed. Uh, some of the really interesting trends that we saw were snaps between friends reached an all-time high. And it was surpassing, actually, typically where we see this behavior during major holidays. Uh, we saw large increases and kind of disproportionate growth driven by people sending snaps to their co- top contacts, so their best friends. So where we really saw a shift in this behavior was people using it now more than ever to stay in contact with their best friends. Our community uh, continued to do this through a number of different ways, like I said, sending snaps, but also we saw a huge surge in the use of video and voice calling. Uh, We actually saw this feature grow nearly 50% during late February and early March. And additional to this, uh, we also saw a huge increase in engagement in our Discover section and Snap Games portion of the app with our Snap Games seeing our highest ever figures since we launched. And then when it comes to our publisher shows, we've seen, again, higher than ever reached content. So we've just seen really, just like I said at the beginning, a magnified use of the app across its core use, as well as people using it more to kind of, kind of what, what else are they going to be doing in their dwell time? Uh, so it's just, again, a great place for them to stay informed uh, with what's going on in the world. What about geographies? I know you guys, well, obviously you should be big in the U.S., but what, what, what about other countries, uh, South America, Europe, Asia? Yeah, so we have a really good distribution of users uh, across the world. We have strong strengths across North America, like you said, U.S. and Canada. Uh, we've got phenomenal growth happening across uh, Europe, uh, with U.K. having upwards of 12 million users, France upwards of 15 million And then we've also got a great cluster uh, within the Middle East uh, with Saudi Arabia, for instance, having over 90% of mm. 16 to 24-year-olds using the platform every single day. All right. Uh, now let's go to the other part of your business, which is advertising. Uh, well, it's been widely reported that many advertisers kind of pressed pause or at least decreased their ad budgets on other platforms. Do you see this similar picture with Snapchat? Yeah, what we've seen is unsurprisingly uh, similar. Uh, certain industries have taken hits due to what's going on in the world, but we have also seen others really actually adapt and evolve to the situation and actually be able to grow uh, during these uncertain times. Across the globe, let's face it, Snapchat's behaviors have adapted and evolved. For instance, we're seeing significant spikes in streaming, gaming, shopping, and ordering food from Snapchatters. And what we've seen is companies that have been able to change with these consumer habits have been able to actually adapt, evolve, and grow. So overall, as this is a focus on the apps business, we've actually seen a huge surge in install volume from our Snap ads, up 36% uh, during this period, which is primarily also been one of the reasons we've seen huge increase in engagement. So we've seen a 90% increase on our ad engagement, uh, which has resulted to a lot of our app businesses getting really favorable results, seeing a 27% lower cost per install. Yeah. Uh, what about in time? I mean, we're, like I said, we're at the, it's been three months as we're in this pandemic period. Do you see any trends uh, in terms of, uh, you know, 
advertisers' behavior, if you compare March, April, uh, May, just from the top of your head without any numbers, just a, just a trend? Yeah, no, great question. I think, yeah, I think the initial brands, which obviously saw uh, like potential success during this period, they lent in very quickly at the start. Um, other sectors which were more kind of readily impacted, for instance, travel, um, obviously are taking more time to recover. I think one of the interesting trends that we've seen is the shift in the way in which people are buying media. Uh, so at the beginning, a lot was about kind of gaining as many users for these people who are able to benefit during these times. And what we've right. seen is they're shifting their focus now to being more around re-engagement. So how can they actually deepen their relationship with their existing customers and get more out of their users? I see. Let's shift the gears a little bit. If I think about Snapchat, uh, from what I heard uh, and read in media, it's uh, pretty much the only big social media platform that don't have likes and comments. Why is that the case? Yes, I think it goes back to the core principle of our platform being the fastest way to communicate. Like Snapchat isn't about vanity metrics. We don't have, like you said, likes or comments. This means when people are posting to our platform, they really feel like they can be their true selves because they're not being judged. And this is the reason why our community feels safe to be their true selves. And I think this has always been at the heart of the platform is this isn't a social media platform. This is a communication platform between true friends. Every conversation you have with your friends doesn't need to be stored online forever. No, it's not natural for conversations to happen like that. Mm -hmm. And that's really been the philosophy is how can we make conversations happen through the camera? And it's the reason why, again, we don't have those inventory metrics. And it's all about, like I said there, people having conversations between their best mates. So conceptually, you're really close to offline conversation between two, two friends. They don't, they don't exchange likes by co and comments after <laughs> in a real life conversation. That would be uh, crazy. Exactly. And like, again, a conversation that you have with your friend around a dinner table, do you post that online? The answer is no. Like a no. true conversation between best friends once the comment or the conversations had it disappears like it doesn't live on forever and i think because of that people have their guard down on our platform to be more authentic in themselves well speaking about posting a uh, different kind of content um on a platform there's a there's a this um um platform utility versus responsible publisher approach so some companies consider them to be platforms, even they're humongously big, like Facebook, I would say. Uh, others being as big, they still uh, do not consider themselves to be a platform because they see that there have a lot of uh, users on these platforms. They post content that, that has kind of society scale impact. So they take responsible publisher approach. So do you believe the social media platforms should curate content people post and be able to stop any fake news, et cetera, from spreading? Or they should uh, take this platform approach and just uh, do whatever you want. We, we're just a platform. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a very great, uh, great question, very relevant to what's going on in the world at the moment. It's a very hot topic, obviously, 
uh, fake news. I think here at Snap, we've always been very clear that, again, it's a platform for true conversations between your best friends. We don't have this concept of someone posting content for likes, followers, and shares. When we look at kind of our more traditional content, it's hand curated at Snapchat. All of our content um, is kind of very proactive in its approach. And we really want to make sure that Snapchatters have access to credible fact-based information on our platform. If you look at our content platform, which we call Discover, it's curated, like I said, and we work closely only with a select set of partners, including some of the world's most trusted news organizations. And across the board, we have really strict guidelines to prevent this, which prohibit not only our partners, but also Snapchatters from sharing content that deceives or deliberately spreads false information. Um, and if you look at kind of what we've done during COVID, which it's been really important that we make sure, again, our, our younger audience especially, they're yeah. not getting misinformation about what to do. What we've done is we've partnered with over 40 content organizations uh, in over five different language to make sure that we're serving not only relevant up-to-date information but factual information and it's also the reason why when we're creating this content we've onboarded uh, partners like the world health organization and local government agencies to make sure that it's relevant not only for our snapchatters in the us or the uk but wherever we can our truly global community that's great i really appreciate you guys on this side of this argument that's really important what would you suggest other businesses to do in these harsh times? Any general thoughts, uh, any kind of approach to how they should continue to be relevant, continue to grow, and what they should do if they are not sure about what kind of plans they can make and uh, when this everything is not so uh, unpredictable? Yes, yeah, so it's obviously a very broad question. Uh, and the kind of the way I'd like to break it down a bit is focusing in on kind of different verticals and sectors. Like let's face facts for some businesses, COVID-19 does create an opportunity for them. So I think a great example of this would be fitness apps. Like people can't go to physical gyms at the moment. This is an alternative way for them to get their kind of community to shift to digital. And then I think for those guys, my biggest advice is, okay, great, you're seeing this growth now out of necessity, but how can you shift as much of that customer from being using you today for necessity into a loyal customer who's going to be with you post COVID-19? And how can you almost change a consumer pattern over a longer period of time? I was reading a really interesting article about how long it takes to break human habits. And it was really interesting as saying kind of, takes four weeks to break a habit to be open to try something different, eight weeks for it to become something which potentially is sustainable, and mm -hmm. up 12 weeks for it to become part of someone's new day-to-day -day way of living. And it's very relevant to this podcast today. We're, we're entering week 12 for a lot of people around the world of being in lockdown. And so for these brands, you do have a unique opportunity to actually change the way in which you interact with your consumer um, post-COVID as well. And I think, again, another good example of this would be uh, traditional retail. How much of that can you shift online? How much can you grow people now from not necessarily potentially needing to go in store as much? 
And then I think for other brands, it is a case of, yeah, for travel, that's a great example. Like what can you do to adapt and evolve during these times? I think, again, won't name the company, but a great example of where I've seen innovation happening is they understand people can't go away at the moment. So what they've been doing is actually providing, again, people with virtual holiday experiences from home. Again, I'm not sure if it would work. It would be uh, probably a little bit too quirky there for me. But I do just think for businesses, again, with every crisis, there can be an opportunity. And I think either it's an opportunity for short-term growth or it's an opportunity to maybe rethink uh, the way in which they're approaching their business more long-term. So I think for me, the, to summarize, it would really be, if you can adapt, adapt. If you can evolve, evolve. But most importantly, listen to your customers are doing this because there's no point either using this as a short-term fad where you suddenly get loads of users and then they disappear overnight. But vice versa, what can you do to protect your existing customers to make sure that they come back when we return to some form of normality? Although... I think the most famous phrase I'm reading everywhere at the moment is the new norm. So how can you get them involved in your new norm with your interactions? Yeah, I think it's totally true. We're going to get into a new norm. Uh, it's uh, unreasonable to believe that we were completely reversed back to the world we have prior to uh, COVID-19. I think exactly. sense of humor, <laughs> I think sense of humor is a pretty good thing to have uh, no matter where and when and think of... <laughs> like you're describing this <laughs> replacing actual experience with kind of a online equivalent, it may work uh, for some of, you know, people who are, um, who basically, yeah, it's, it's part of their sense of humor. They, they will be completely okay with that. Not for years in, in a row, but for, for a few months at least, uh, that's kind of a good replacement. And, exactly. Um, and then for yeah. other brands, it's the, it's the complete opposite. It's like, actually, you could change something for the way in which you're going to interact with your brands forever now. Um, like mm-hmm. you need to uh, go back to some of the traditional ways. If you've managed to shift to a more digital first strategy, is that more cost effective for your company? And would it make sense to go back on it? Um, and I think there's some industries which I'm really interested to see what happens post COVID. Like fitness is going to be so interesting. Are people going to want to go to the gym every mm-hmm day now when they know they can do these amazing fitness class from home. I know even for myself, not the biggest uh, fitness guru by any stretch of the imagination, but all of a sudden I've been um, going, doing 10,000 steps a day. I've been leaning into the Apple health app. Uh, I've been leaning into 8Fit to do kind of workouts from home. Like they probably hooked me into a pattern which I can't see myself going backwards on. So I think it's a, it is an interesting one where it's like, again, that short-term behavioral change, but then what can you do to really cement that change if it's going to positively affect your business longer term? Exactly. Totally true. Uh, I'm completely with you, Sam. I'm trying to replace my uh, gym three times a week uh, like to do workouts at home, at least in you know, some capacity. It's a replacement. And I was never yeah. three times a week, though. I uh, have to be honest. I was uh, barely once a week before, so maybe I'm not the best best sample group. It took me a few years to get. It took me a few years to get in that that uh, schedule. Uh, it was really hard. 
And now that that's it was really uh, useful, and I, I don't want to lose that. Probably that's the reason why I'm trying to keep up with the same schedule even without Gene. Anyway, <laughs> speaking of sense of humor, I've got a few funny, quick questions for you. Are you iOS or an Android person? Oh, it's such a hard one. I I, I miss my plus one. Windows. <laughs> it's I'm, I'm an iOS man for the last two phones, uh, but I think my favorite ever phone uh, was the plus one. Uh, so yeah, I'm I am an iOS man today, but I do have a soft spot for Android. All right. Do you remember your first mobile phone? I had to actually Google this to check it was the right one because uh, I wasn't sure if it was the 6210 or the 3310, but it was uh-huh. the Nokia 3310, which I think we all know for bringing Snake to the world, uh, which, let's face it, still miss it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what is your favorite app, apart from Snapchat, of course? So for this one, I did a very scientific research. I looked at my most used, and it's actually not the coolest one. It's Google Maps. I hate to admit, I get lost so much. Uh, So yeah, probably Google Maps, because I probably wouldn't be on this call today without it. All right. What about new app technologies are you most excited about? Something that is on the horizon and you're waiting for? Yeah, I think two things on this one. I think one would be the continued evolution of short-form video content. I think we're seeing some great players in this space, obviously ourselves. I've got Quibi in the US. Um, I really just think the way in which people consume video content on their mobile is so different. And it's great to see platforms like leaning in now uh, to create this content. I think the interesting thing around the technology piece is how can you actually create long-form content and use technology to make it short form. So uh, really easing the pressure on uh, content producers. I think the other thing would be, I am an ads man at the end of the day. I would just say the continued shift in the way in which people are buying media. I think, again, you go back five years, it was all focused on CPMs. Slowly it was cost per swipe, cost per uh, click, finally shifting into cost per install. But it's amazing to see this continued evolution across the platforms. Are people now ultimately telling an ad platform, this is what business result I want to achieve? And I think it's remarkable to see now the ability to bid. We launched, I think, a month ago, the ability to bid on return on ad spend. And Mm. I just think that's such an interesting shift because it really democratizes the entry point for digital advertising for so many disrupt the brands out there. Totally true. How can people get to know more about what you do? Yeah, so great question. My, my, my team and I are always up for a chat. You can tell, I feel I've uh, probably derailed this conversation a couple of times within the 20 minutes we've had. Um, but awesome. I'd say the best, <laughs> the best way to reach out, um, feel free to reach out to me directly on bevan at snapchat.com. Uh, so that's B-E-V-A-N. Uh, or alternatively, if you want, more general support on advertising. Uh, we have an alias, get started at snapchat.com. Or if you're literally just wanting to find out more about our platform, especially from the business functionality, uh, we've got an amazing Snapchat for Business website, uh, which is filled with case studies and top tips and really everything you need to know. Awesome. Thanks so much for your time and coming on our podcast, Sam. Thank you. Thank you so much. Bye. 
Thanks. Bye-bye. And that was Samuel Bivan, Head of Advertising uh, Emerging International and Advertising Solutions at Snap. To listen to more episodes, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. Just search for our business of apps and you will find us easily. Once you subscribe, you will be able to get new episodes on your smartphone, tablet, or computer as soon as we release them. And please don't forget to leave us a review and comment. It is highly appreciated. And all episodes will also be available on businessofapps.com. See you next week. Bye. This is the Business of Apps podcast, bringing you actionable insights from the leaders of the global app industry and the world's fastest growing apps. You can find more app news, data and analysis over at businessofapps.com. Thank you for listening to the Business of Apps podcast. For more, head on over to businessofapps.com.